And that's what I want to talk to you about today as Joe prepared this video and mentioned that the new series in Psalms, the, the Valley Church, they send their love. They miss you. We miss you. It's good seeing everybody here. Love seeing everybody here. Uh, great to see Dr. Masood. My, my neck is in a better condition because of Dr. Masood's uh, magic hands. It's good to see brothers and sisters with love and respect so much. I look, look up to you in many ways, and I'm so grateful. Like what Mayan said, you know, you, you know, I understand that you moved around in different spots. Those are build memories because one day you're going to see the ministry here get to thousands, and you're going to remember moments like this. You're going to remember moments when you started off in, in elementary school in the hotel and to see what God has done. But I really believe what helps us get to that point is understanding the importance of connection. Connecting with God. That's one thing I realized with the next generation is that they want to be connected. You saw children, they went there, many of them homesick. They didn't know how they're going to adjust being away from their family. They're with a group that they, many of them don't know. But at the end of the week, they're smiling from ear to ear. And many of them said, I don't want to go home. Because they felt the sense of belonging. We all need a sense of belonging, right? We all want to feel connected. We all want to be assured that there is a God that we can have that kind of connection. And that's why I appreciate Psalms. As we study the book of Psalms, I pray that you will find a greater connection with God and with one another. You're also blessed to have uh, Joe and Lynette Collins. Uh, I, I love Joe. Joe's like a, a big brother to me. He's about a year younger than me, but he's like a big brother to me. Um, I know when we first moved here, Joe was a brother I connected. I said, help me understand uh, America. Help me understand L.A. Help me understand what it means to, to serve in this area of the world that we've been out for 20 years. And he's helped me in many ways. And I'm glad that kind of connection, that kind of relationship helps me to have the faith that I, that I need in God the confidence that I need and the assurance that I need to go forward. So connection is very, very important. And we're studying Psalms right now, so we're sort of halfway through. But Psalms is a big, you got a, 150 chapters in Psalms. And how do you cover that? So we've been doing it in the 10s. I spoke on the 20s and the 50s. Ron spoke in the others. Gary spoke in the others. But today I want to help you introduce Psalms to you with the intention that you will see that there is a psalm written specifically for you and I. Because we need that to feel connected with God. When you look at the breakdown of psalms, 150 chapters, it, it, it talks about life to the fullest. It talks about our, our God is, is, is in control. It talks about thanksgiving. It talks about how to praise you talk about the different authors. King David wrote most of the Psalms. You have Solomon. You have Asaph. You have uh, even anonymous authors that they don't know. But the amazing thing about Psalms is that it helps us have a deeper connection with God. And I hope that Psalms doesn't become a nice book to you or, or another philosophy or, or a book that helps create good ideas but it will help you take it a lot deeper in our walk with God. But how do we get to that point? 
How do we get to have that kind of connection with God? I believe through humility and vulnerability, it helps us have a different depth in our spirituality. And if you're visiting here for the first time, it's great having you. It's great having you. I pray that you leave here inspired by God. You know, there's a, um, a researcher. This is, her name is Dr. Brene Brown. And she studied, she studied human connection. When she did her first year of graduate study, she was challenged by this thought by her professor. And she said that if you, can, if you cannot measure it, it does not exist. And then she said, you know, I believe that. But what I want to do is I, I am very intrigued. She does a lot of work in uh, social work helps people out, and she believed that. She said, if you cannot measure it, it does not exist. So she did a 1,000 interviews, hundreds of focus groups, and as she was studying the different groups of people, she was blown away by this one category of people. And it, just, it, it just stumped her because there was this group of people that challenge that theory that if you could, if you cannot measure it, it does not exist. Because she always wanted to quantify things. But as she got to talk to this one particular group, it challenged her. She said, whoa, this is something that I'm not used to because I need everything in a box. I need to make sure that everything is pragmatic that there's a cause and effect, but when I hit this one group, I'm stuck. And you know what happened to her is that she ended up studying this one particular group for the last six years. That's how much it blew her away to the point where she changed her attitude. You can't measure it. It doesn't exist. And it opened her eyes to things emotionally, mentally, and even spiritually. And here's some things that she found as a researcher professor at University of Houston Graduate College. She wrote great books on, um, one that stood out was Daring Greatly, How the Courage to be Vulnerable Transforms the Way We Live, Love, Parent, and Lead. And there's something in the study that she found. She found, one, this group had courage. She saw this group of people, they had courage. They had the courage to be imperfect. She saw, secondly, that they had compassion. They were kind to themselves and they're kind to others. It's kind of, okay, I've seen that, but there's a connection here. And she also saw that this group, they had a connection. There was authentic relationships around them, friendships, where they were willing to let go of who they should be to who they are. They're okay to be good enough. But there was something that stood out to her that blew her away, that inspired her to study this group more deeply for the next six years, and that was the quality of vulnerability. Vulnerability 
is that they were able to fully embrace vulnerability. And what made them, made them vulnerable made them beautiful. And I thought about that. And I thought about the scriptures where Paul says, when I'm weak, then I'm strong. We live in a world that's the opposite. Is that when I'm weak, I'm not going to tell you about it because I need to be strong. Are you with me, guys? I need to be strong because it's like what Mayan said. We've got the wolf packs around us. And that was so accurate. I couldn't quite figure it out myself. But then what Mayan says, that's true. That is so true. The girls are looking. And you try to be cool, but, you know, it's on a whole different dialect. But we live in a world. And I don't know if you were brought, I was brought up like that. I was brought up in an Asian family, family business first. My parents were immigrants from another country, came in, worked two jobs, found property, ended up buying more properties, started their own business. And guess what? I'm the only boy and the eldest. So the pressure and the challenge to keep on the Lopez name from generation to generation was put on me. Not on my sisters. They did the shopping. And they spent the money. I had to make the money. But I had to have that image, and I just fed into the image. This is the American dream. Start from business, become the president, go back to the Philippines, and that's it. That was the thing I was willing to embrace. And I know my parents' intention was good because they wanted to pass on, provide, and give love. But that was my world where I had to be strong. And if I showed any kind of weakness, it would slow me down. And I don't know if you can relate to that. But when we think about God, can you imagine if we had the God that just wanted us to be strong from Genesis to Revelation? Wow. But when you look at different parts of the Bible, God is trying to let us see a part of his heart that it's okay to be who you are. God is trying to show us that because of Jesus who is perfect, he is our hope. That's why there are stories in the Bible of kings and and great men and women who messed up. Because it gives us hope. That's why Psalms gives us hope. It gives us the courage that if you and I mess up, we can always go to God and understand that failure is not fatal. Our God is a vulnerable God. He doesn't hide the mistakes in the Bible. You look at Jesus on the cross. Jesus was practically naked on the cross. Talk about being vulnerable. And wow, does not that make you think that God wants us to take it a little deeper emotionally? Does not make you wonder that maybe... Maybe for me, being a Christian, going on 25 years, that my faith and my spirituality need to go deeper. I'll tell you what, it's my first youth camp, and I learned a lot. And there were moments when I had to say, God, I need more of you. I need more of you. Moving back to America, there's many times I say, God, I need more of you. And when I look back in Asia, there's times saying, I need more of you. And I hope that you understand 
that there is so much more to God that we can embrace. And if we embrace it, you know what? Not only will our faith grow, but also the impact of our love for God will change others. Amen. That's why I want to talk about the power of vulnerability. There's a power in being vulnerable. And one of the problems in vulnerability is that we can numb our negative feelings. We can numb our emotions. And what do I mean by that? One of the interesting things that, that um, Brene Brown picked up was that one thing that stops people from being vulnerable or embracing it is shame. That they're ashamed. They're ashamed of what they did. They're ashamed of what's been done to them. They're ashamed of the past, and they don't know how to process it. But, you know, praise God, we've got the Bible. We've got the Word of God. We've got Psalms that help us process all those things. And when we learn how to process the way God wants us to, there's a power in that. Turn with me to Psalms 23. Psalms 20 is great. I know you're going to enjoy Psalms. A lot of great resources and tools. Uh, I've been using this from a brother, one of my brothers. He's a Ph.D. out in the Philippines. He wrote this. It's a good book, uh, Into the Psalms. It's available out there. And I hope that, I hope that today you will embrace Psalms and let it change your life. But when you look at favorite Psalms, can I ask you a question? What are some of the favorite Psalms for you? What are your go-to Psalms? Yes. Why Psalms 25? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Good. That's a good one. Psalms 25. Yes. Sub 119, man, I tell you, that's a good one, too. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yes, Doc. 73, oh, man, 73. That's an, that's an L.A. chapter right there. Psalm 73, that's a good one. Why, why Doc? Mm-hmm, right. Yep, Psalm 73, that's a good one. Yes. Psalms 23. Mm-hmm. Good, good. Yes. Psalm 16. Mm. 16, one six. Really? Mm. Yes, Joe. 46. Right. That's good. You know, I hope through this series that you'll find a psalms for you. And that psalm is for you not to only spur you on intellectually, but to help you stay connected, even go deeper in a connection with God and with other people. So let's jump into one of the favorite, most famous psalms, Psalms 23. Psalms 23, boy, you hear it a lot of times. You hear it in the movies. You hear it in uh, funerals. 
you hear it in times of, of going through challenges. And I hope that we could look at a different angle in this that will help you understand the heart of David and the heart of God. How he was able to have this connection was because of, of being vulnerable. And look in Psalms 23, verse 1. Okay, you guys with me? All right. Psalms 23. So, King David says that the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me besides quiet waters. In verse 4, he says that he renews my life. He leads me along the right path for his name's sake. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I fear no danger. For you are with me, your rod and your staff. They comfort me. You know, as you read on, he says he renews my life. He leads me along that right path. And he says, even when I go through the darkest valley, I fear no danger. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And then he goes on and he talks about the future. But some things I want to show here as we look in the scripture is that one, how important it is for you and I to look to God to meet all my needs. We live in a world where we look at other people, we look at position, we look at places, and I realize that those things are good to feel secure, but it's not good to put your security in many of these things, our full security. Never put your security in something that can be taken from you. You lose it, and then what happens is that you can lose your identity. And that's what I brought up in my life was thinking my identity comes from, because I love my dad, I wanted to please my dad. I wanted approval from him all the time. So the more I could do better in business, the, connect, the more connection I could have with my dad. But then when we had that, the disagreements, when business wasn't good, guess what? I get the blame. So there's something missing in there. Or Jennifer was reminding me as we were helping out another couple, says, you know, Cesar, before he was a Christian, he always said that we'll only get married if we get to this point financially. And we weren't Christians then. And guess what? As we got close to that point, what I did was I raised the ante. I said, well, no, let's not here. Let's wait till we go this, where we liquid. And guess what? When we got close to there, I said, no, maybe we could raise it a little higher. And I realized that I could put my security and money but how can you ever define financial security? That's what I realized. Because the more I got, the more I want. And I realized that wasn't good. You know, I put my security in, in the Philippines. Your last name makes, it, makes a difference. I could go there and say my last name is Lopez, and it opens doors. But guess what? When I have a relative or someone with the last name that does bad things, it also affects me too. I could put my security in the, the school I graduated from, University of San Francisco, whose basketball team has been dead for how many years? <laughs> Since Bill Russell. So I can't put my security in there. You know, I like to put my security in the Dodgers, 
but it goes up and down. And But when you look at David right here, he says, the Lord is my shepherd. There is nothing I lack. David was a king. And his attitude was, God is my shepherd. It's important for you and I to look to God to meet all our needs. And in Romans 8, verse 32, he says, Since God did not spare even his own son for us, but he gave him up for us, wouldn't he also give us everything else we need? God gives us rest. And after this past week, I can say, Amen. God gives us renewal. God gives us guidance. So you see David, as he talks about verses 1 to 3, he's boasting about God. He's saying, God is my security. But you know, there's a shift. A shift goes on when he talks about his rod and his staff. He talks about when I go through the valley. And he says right here that as I go through the valley, your rod and your staff protects me. He's referring, he's looking to God as, as a shepherd and he's the sheep. But then all of a sudden it shifts because he says, now I'm going through this dark valley. And you know what he says in those scriptures? In verses 1 to 3, he talks about how God is awesome, how he's, he, he, I, I, I lack nothing. But he says, when I, even though I walk through the valley of shadows of death, I'll fear no evil. Then he said, then there's a switch. It's no longer a third-party perspective. But now he says, you are my rod. You are my staff. You prepare a table before me. Your staff comfort me. There's a shift that goes on at this part when he talks about the valley. God is no longer third perspective, but now it's first person. Isn't it like that when we go through the toughest times, we say, God, I need you. There's many times we could talk about how God is great, but when we go through the difficult times, the most challenging times, our perspective with God goes, it, it changes a little bit. It shifts. I need you, God. I want you, God. I'm afraid, God. God is one we need to look to meet all our needs. But you know what? We also got to understand that God allows time in the valley. He allows us to go through the valley. It could have been easy for this shepherd to take the sheep and say, don't go there. It could have been easy. You'll read in Psalms where David talks about break my bones. You know what he's referring to? He's referring in a sheep and a shepherd relationship. Sometimes a sheep would go astray, and what the shepherd would do is break their bone. And that's why David says many times, repair and heal me. What, that's, the, that's the reference he's talking to, sheep and shepherd. Heal me so I won't go astray. And that's what he talks about here is that the shepherd could have easily said, no, don't go there. No, let's go back to the green pastures. No, let's go a different route, an easier route. Sometimes God allows us to go through the valley. And when you go through the valley, understand this. God is right there with his rod 
and his staff. And you know that staff, you know, there's a little hook there in case you go far. Cesar, come here. Uh, uh. And you know what the rod is for? When the wolves come, I want you to know that I'm going to protect you. I'm going to let me spank you a little bit, Cesar, because you need it, but this is going to protect you. I got the rod and the staff here. But ultimately, it's to comfort you that you are not alone. And I don't know where you are today. I don't know what challenges you're going through right now. Maybe you are going or feeling that valley and hoping that there's greener pasture on the other side. Sometimes we can get to the point where we say, I'm alone. God, where are you? Why have you forsaken me? David was real here because he understood that, God, there's nothing that I lack. You take care of all my needs. But he also understands this, that God allows us to go through the valley. He allows us to go through the valley. He allows us to go through the, good the bad times. It's a lot easier for say, God, I want, I want an easier route. I'll be honest, it was hard to coming back to America. Out of 24 years being on a mission or being a Christian, approaching 25, 20 of them was spent in the third world. Because I thought this is where God wants me to live and die, in the third world. And when I found out that we're going back, it was hard. Did I fail, God? God, I thought, is it, was it, go and make disciples the end of the world. Is this not the end of the world? Now you bring me to the valley. Is that the end of the world? <laughs> Youth camp, is that the end of the world? But little did I know God was working in ways that I couldn't see when I'm going through the valleys. But if I look, it's going to be two years next month in August. Amen. God bless America. <laughs> two years is so fast. But I look back at two years and say, wow, that's cool. Man, my daughter's fired up about God. I mean, my daughter's in South Africa right now as we speak, serving orphanages in school. I said, man, we just came back to America. Now she's in, I, but she's fired up. You know who else was in a youth camp with me was my son, CJ. And I said, oh, man, I don't know how CJ's going to handle this. No, this, this is going to be rough. He's what they call a gopher. A gopher is when you do anything and you go anywhere. I said, oh, boy, man, I'm not sure. And as a father, I said, I'm looking out for my son. Where's my son? He said, okay. But, you know, he came back so fired up. He said, Dad, I want to be a papa gopher. I said, really? Okay, hey, what part to you? He wants to go back. He's so excited. He's fired up spiritually. My youngest son is studying the Bible, and he's wrestling with the scriptures right now. Wrestling make Jesus Lord of his life. I said, wow, you know what? I look at the friendships here. I said, man, this is all good. I don't see, feel or see the, the rod and the staff during the dark times, the hard times. When I, take a, when I walk through the valleys and I look back, I said, God is good. God is good. But the challenge is when we go through the valleys, say, God, where are you? God, I can't believe you. And we don't get bitter, but we end up getting bitter. Why is, why is that God allows us to go through the valley? So we can understand him more. So we can embrace him more. You know, um, one of the toughest places in Asia is, is Myanmar. Myanmar is intense. You talk about 
meeting here, they had to switch every Sunday. They can't be in one location in church because it's against the law for a big organization to meet together one place it's against the law. The only times they can meet in a hotel is if they say we're having a leadership training program or we're teaching something academically. That's the only time they could meet. So they go to the beach, they go to the park, they go to the mountains. It's tough. A lot of people want to go out of Myanmar. And this one brother named Ricky wanted to do that. He said, why don't you go to Singapore? You'll make more money. You know what? You, you, you have a better life there. But he said, no. I love God. There's a reason why God has me here. I know it's difficult, but my thing is I want to pass on to my family what I found in God. I don't care how difficult it is because I love my family. It will be harder for me to be in Singapore, not in Myanmar, because I have a better chance of helping them find God. You know, and he's stuck. Many people did not understand why he said that. He's crazy. But he's very real. He's very honest. Can I introduce you, Ricky? This is Ricky. He's right in the middle. And that's me over there. In Myanmar, the men, they wear skirts, long skirts. You can't see that, but I'm hiding behind the, there. But um, that's all of his family there. That's 18 of his family members. And you know what he did? He studied the Bible with each one of them, and they were all baptized. Yeah, he could have made more money in Singapore. Yeah, he could have reaped the fruit of having a better life. But he said, no, I want to share what I have in God with my family. And you know what? Two years ago, Myanmar starts opening up. Now they can meet in places like this. Now the U.S. Embassy is, is gaining more uh, access to things. Now they're having strong connections with America and the Western nations. Now, Myanmar is one of the hot spots to invest in Asia. That's God. That's God. He could have easily said, no, 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 no. But, you know, he trusted God. He was real. He was vulnerable. Understand this. The shepherd has you covered. He has you covered. He has you covered. That's what he says right here at the end of 23. Look what he says right here. You prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. He starts looking forward. He starts having a vision. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. At this point, David has a vision. And he says, you prepare for me a table, not just anywhere, in front of my enemies. You're going to take care of me, God. There is a security. There is an understanding that God is going to take care of all my needs. There is an understanding that, God, you're going to take me through the valleys. And there is an understanding in the future is going to be awesome. How did David get to this point? He was real and honest. He was vulnerable. And if you think about it, you and I would not be at this point if we didn't decide at one point in our lives that this is who I am. The good, the bad, and the funky. This is who I am. I'm tired of the image. I'm tired of what people think about me. This is where I'm at. This is what 
uh, I've been struggling with, and you know what? I need help. I need God. This is who I am. You know, parents, we feel like that. You're raising up kids. This is who I am. You know, a lot of people say, your kids are awesome. Your kids are this. Let me tell you this. Sinful side of my kids come from daddy. The good stuff come on St. Jennifer's side. And it's very humbling. It's very humbling when I have disagreements with them. I say, where did that come from? And then all of a sudden, this mirror pops up. That's me. That's my sinful nature. It's very humbling being a parent. It's humbling being married. Being, especially if you're married to someone that's super spiritual and super beautiful. It's, humbling. it's called opposite attracts. But you know what? It's, it's challenging just being alive. But you know what? That's why you and I need God. That's why you and I need that breakthrough sometimes. And not just coast and cruise as, as, yes, I'm a disciple of Jesus. Yes, I'm a Christian. But sometimes we need that breakthrough. That deeper connection with God and other people. And how can we do it? Is when we're vulnerable. When we're vulnerable. And I had to learn this lesson. I'm still learning it. Not worrying so much what people think, but what God thinks. You know, two weeks ago, we had our Bible talk together. We have a combined Bible talk of teens and parents. And, you know, the, the law was passed. There's a lot of hot topics in America right now. And the last past week or the last past month, so many hot topics. And two weeks ago, we, we pulled the families together and said, hey, let's talk about how we're feeling. How we're feeling about different things. How we're feeling about what's being said in the media. You, uh, you hear about the, the, the random shooting, the racism, the, the hatred. You hear about different laws being passed. Let's, let's talk about this. And a lot of the parents were freaking out. A lot of parents were afraid. A lot of parents didn't know what to say to their children. But you know what we did? We prayed. We went to the Bible. And we had a great discussion. We left there more faithful than fearful. To the point where I said, I need to go talk to my kids because I want to make sure that they're processing it in the right way. But, you know, we would not got to that point if we're not vulnerable. Power of vulnerability is important. You know, we just finished talking, teaching uh, I, uh, I Choose Us. And we talked about how many times, I don't know if you've experienced this, but husband and wife, sometimes we have disagreements, right? Sometimes. Can, am I not alone on this, guys? We do. We do. And sometimes we had that that we call a vortex of escalation. You know, when we have a bump, it starts with a disagreement, and then all of a sudden, my spouse says, no, it's your fault, and then we have a different expectation, and the other person, then something brings up from the past, but do you remember three years ago, and I said, I thought we forgave that, and then we start talking about, but this kind of agreement, but then you wanted this, and then it just goes like that, and like that, and like that. You ever experience a vortex like that? But you know how do you get out of the vortex? is when you're vulnerable. The way you step out of a vortex or stop it from going further is when someone is vulnerable. They're humble. They're real. They said, this was my fear. This is what I needed. I needed you to understand. That's how you break a vortex of escalation. Not only a spouse, but in, in any kind of disagreement with the other person. You know, the power of vulnerability is huge. You know, power of vulnerability also helps us connect with people. Jennifer and I were in Starbucks uh, uh, last year, and we saw this girl reading this book. I said, I know that book, Mere Christianity. How do you like it? 
and said, well, this is what I'm feeling. I'm feeling kind of confused. I'm feeling this and that. And I said, you know what? I feel confused too. We just moved back from Asia, and we're trying to adjust in life. We're in transition right now. I said, really? He said, yeah. This is what we do. I said, really? Here's my wife, Jennifer. Maybe you could talk more. They started talking. They started connecting. Jennifer started sharing her life. She started going to church, and she started studying the Bible, and she ended up getting baptized and becoming your sister. And she loves it. She says, well, this is so fantastic. I've been a teacher. I've had relationships. But there's nothing like being saved and knowing God. One of the relationships that she had difficulties with was with her mom. And she said, I need to talk to my mom. I need to be able to share some things with my mom. And she did. And it wasn't easy at first. But guess what? Mom started coming to church. And mom started connecting with the, the Spanish-speaking ministry. And boy, it just went to a whole nother level. <laughs> and she got so excited. Last week, her mom was baptized in the Lord. Yeah. The power of vulnerability. It helps us connect with God. And you know what? It helps us connect with other people. And we live in a world that wants connection. That's why I'm grateful for songs. That's why I'm grateful for the opportunity to not only know God, but know God deeper. That's why I'm excited to learn. It is a new mission field. America, the families, the youth, it is a new mission field. And you know what? I may be afraid. I may not know what to do. But you know what? I'm going to go ahead first faithfully. And I'm going to be real. I say, I don't know. That's something i got to figure out. That's a, wow, how, what, where? I don't know, but I know I'm going to need God, and I'm going to do my very best. I believe it's important for us to put down the pride. It's important for us to, under, to realize that we don't have all the answers. It's important for us to no longer hide and live by our fears or the sin that entangles us, but really trust God like the heart that David had in Psalms 23. Can I leave you with one thing, if there's anything you can grab as you study Psalms, if you could leave here today, can I just leave you with one thing you can grab? Is this, you got to have a childlike faith. Have a childlike faith. A childlike faith that Jesus talks about in Matthew 18, verse 2 to 4. A childlike faith that's willing to trust God. You know, one of the greatest things in the youth camp, it was hard leaving because all these kids, they came up to me and they started hugging me. And they're not in the same ministry. Some are in the same ministry. Some are in different places. But they started hugging me and they kept smiling. I said, thank you. I said, wow, this is so cool. I taught two classes with fifth and sixth graders. Let me tell you, I've spoken to adults. I've spoken to leaders. I've spoken to preachers. I've spoken in conferences. But let me tell you, the hardest group to teach is fifth and sixth graders. This is a wild group, but you know what? I love them. I had fun with them. And it was so interesting. I didn't know how they were going to respond or not. But they would come up to me after the class and day before they said, that was good. I said, really? Are you just saying that? Did your counselor or parent just tell you to say that? Tell me what was good about it. I said, I liked it because of this. You know what's so cool? You know Jenny Renstrom? Thomas and Aiden, oh my gosh, these kids. I was about to speak. Thomas comes 
walks past the place I was speaking. He looks back, and he walks in. It's a little kid like this. He comes up to me with his big eyes like this. <laughs> and he grabs my hand, and he says, good luck. <laughs> so what in the world? Jesus knows what I need. And then he walks away and says, oh, my goodness. I'm amazed. I'm tired, but I'm inspired. I was afraid going to camp. I'll be honest, I was afraid. I said, man, can I really do what I need to do? And we did a lot. But you know what? I'm glad that I was able to embrace it and realize I can't figure this all out. But I'm going to learn. You know what? I got so much to grow in. I'm not the best parent. I'm not the best husband. But I'm grateful to be good enough. I don't need to be perfect. I've got a lot of things to work on. And I'm glad we have a God that doesn't say you have to be strong in here, strong in here, and this and this and that. There's going to be times you're going to go through difficulties, and you're going to experience me in a whole different level. But how do we do that? By having a childlike heart. When you have that trust, like a Thomas, you come up and grab hand. God said, God, I don't know everything, but I need you. Maybe you're here for the first time. It's great to have you, and I hope you keep coming back. Study out the Bible. The person who brought you deeply cares about you. Honestly, the person that brought you really loves you, but don't look at that person right now because you're going to freak them out. <laughs> but they care about you. And if there's anything that they want to do is just share with you, say, this is what changed my life, and I just want you to take a little taste. It's going to change your life forever. They care about you. We live in a world that doesn't want us to be vulnerable. But you see someone like Brene Brown, say, man, this thing, this group, they're called, or what she called the category, you know what she called it? The wholehearted people. That's what she called them. She didn't know how to categorize. She said, these are the wholehearted people. But when I start listening to that and I start reading the Bible, that's what happens when you let Jesus change your life. How do you get to that point? Have a childlike faith. Practical. Look in Psalms in his fresh, with fresh eyes. Find a psalm for you. Connect with God. And allow that connection to inspire you to connect with other people. The power of vulnerability will help you connect with God and it'll help you connect with other people and point them to God. I want to say thank you for allowing me to be here. I hope that the Psalms will change your life. I hope it will inspire your faith. And most importantly, be real before God because that's what we need today. Thank you. God bless you.